This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 115, about Gotham, A Dark Knight, season 4, episode 13, A Beautiful Darkness. I'm David Mazuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Robin Lloyd Taylor, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites. This is episode 115 of Gotham TV Podcast, and we're here to talk about A Beautiful Darkness, which is episode 13 of season 4 of Gotham. Yes, the darkness is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And also, dare I say it, batshit crazy. Um <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Welcome back, fellow detectives. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. We're going to slightly change up our podcast this week. We didn't have any feedback in time for last week's episode, but we got some afterwards. So uh, we're going to talk about our feedback up front before we get into our discussion about episode 13 of Gotham. But first things first, we have something that we think might interest you. Uh, You're listening to us as a podcast, obviously, so you do like podcasts. Um, You'd like something based on a comic book because Gotham's based on a comic book. There is a new scripted podcast coming officially from Marvel next week on Monday, the 12th of March. Yes. It's going to be exclusively available over on Stitcher Premium. And it's Wolverine The Long Night, which is a 10 episode scripted podcast starring Richard Armitage. Yes, the awesome Richard Armitage. Mm. Not only was he in The Hobbit playing a angry, angry dwarf, mm-hmm. um, who has a gold lust, I think, yeah. um, or at least a gold gem and money lust. He was also in Hannibal uh, playing the Red Dragon, Francis Dollarhide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we're big fans of Richard Armitage on this show. Yeah. Uh, and so he is playing the titular character of Wolverine. Another angry dwarf. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's also very angry. Yes, so he is playing Wolvie the pint-sized berserker, uh, and it's going to be released as one episode a week from Monday, March the 12th. Mm-hmm. Well, why are we telling you about it? Because, well, we think you'll enjoy it, firstly, and secondly, because we can give you a free month for every one of our listeners for Stitcher Premium, which will allow you to listen to each of the episodes as they come out. Just go to stitcher.com forward slash premium and enter the code DEFENDERS uh, and you'll get your free month here. And each week, well, the episodes will drop uh, for that month. And of course, if you like it and if you like Stitcher Premium, then you can carry on uh, after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely uh, have a look. Check it out. And this offer will be on till the end of September. Yep. So if you're listening back to us uh, next year in 2019 or something like that, um, you have missed out your chance to get the code. But this code will be available until September to use uh, one free month of Stitcher Premium. Hopefully, hopefully you like it. Uh, let us know what you think. So, of course, head on over to any good or evil podcast and search Gotham TV podcast. Uh, and we should uh, pop up and our lovely tones will be there with you uh, in your ears. And of course, uh, a big shout out to Stitcher where we are also hosted. Um, and of course, you can go there as well and search Gotham TV Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully enjoy that and let us know what you think, as I said. Right, let's get on to last week's feedback. Our first piece of feedback on the spring premiere came from Annalise. 
Yeah, Annalise wrote into feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com and she goes, Hey guys, Gotham is back. I wanted to write this feedback right after the episode 12, but I wanted to process it a bit. It was not a perfect episode, nor near my favourite episode of the season. It did, however, have some good and not-so-good things to go on. I'll start with the things I didn't care for and end with the positive. My big issue has always been the recasting of Ivy. Even back in the beginning of season three with Maggie Giha, I will say my issue has never been with the actresses themselves, but more the showrunners, choices behind the recasts. From what articles said this recast was to have Ivy come together, her final evolution is she a Pokemon? I think the recasts were honestly to sex up the character, and it still makes me pretty upset. I understand that she needs to have a toxin and be sexy, but are all of the villains going to be established before Bruce becomes Batman? I am okay with some, but not all. Now that Ivy is a big, sexy badass, we are left with Selina, Jerome, and Jonathan, I guess Tommy too if he returns, as villains that are still around Bruce's age. I am also not sure what to make of Siren's new look. I quite liked it the way it was, but I'm willing to give it a chance. Now to the things I liked. That plot twist with Ed was brilliant. I always had it in my head that his other personality would take over and Ed wouldn't remember what had happened. Mm. As you know, Sean is one of my favourite cast members and I was so happy to see him not making tea. This whole story arc... This episode made my heart break. Mm -hmm. I will be interested to see if he and Harvey team up, and for what, while he is still unemployed. Looking forward to having the podcast return. This is kind of interesting. I love the Ed plot twist, absolutely. I'm really pleased that Ivy is coming into this show as uh, more than just a peripheral character. Mm -hmm. I think... And I think that's where my kind of issue with the recast comes from, is that we've had Ivy since the beginning and loved all the actresses playing it. Yeah. But they've never, I felt, utilised um, the character's potential with the actresses that they already had. And now, um, you know, certainly for this episode, episode 13, you know, we really do get uh, Ivy uh, flexing her her muscles here. And I just wish we had seen that from from some of the others. I mean, we got a hint at that with with Maggie teaming up with Penguin and helping her out, but yeah. then was just really treated um, uh, as this character who was annoying. And I thought that was a shame. And Claire Foley, absolutely fantastic as the young Ivy Pepper. And again, it would have been great if she was more involved with Selena and Bruce, I think, mm. rather than simply being on the sidelines. So um, whilst there's been a very slow evolution of this character, I almost feel that we haven't really seen the evolution fully of this character because um, primarily it feels to me that she kind of just came in for certain plots and then was allowed to just fade out of of the show for a while before coming back to service another plot or, or storyline, which didn't really involve her centrally and and her progression. So I, I kind of am um, with you there. Yeah, um, I, we did talk about it on our Rent Table podcast with Legends of Gotham a couple of weeks ago, um, that we all felt really bad for Maggie Giga. She's a great actress, really good in the role, and just was left to the sideline and not given anything to do at all for weeks and weeks on end, um, which is not the way you want to have your character. So this season, it does feel like they're treating Ivy now with 
something like the way they brought in Mad Hatter for a long story arc and being very central to the episode. She's been quite central these last two episodes now. So, uh, and this episode particularly is an Ivy episode. We'll be talking a lot about her. Um, it, so it is a bit of a shame and it does always suck when the news stories behind the scenes about why characters are exiting and entering a show overtake what the writers are trying to do on the episodes and um, keeping it to, to just the episodes themselves. Again, I love the actresses like yourself, Annalise. I've loved all three of the actresses. I wish all of them had been given an episode like this to really show off what they can do and who they are, because this is probably the best Ivy we've seen. And it's not to do with the actresses, it's to do with the show is actually giving them. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm glad you're able to find some great positives in there. Sean was fantastic last episode as well. Sean Pertwee yeah, was absolutely fantastic. And that Ed plot twist, we saw another little bit of it this this episode. So that's not going away either. Um, really good. Thank you so much for sending in that feedback to us, Annalise. Our next, next piece of feedback is a piece of voicemail feedback, which comes in from Claire Payne uh, over through our website at GothamTVPodcast.com. Hello, Gotham TV podcast. Um, I felt we saw the city of Gotham from a different perspective, which I really liked. There were lots of interconnecting scenes that linked some of the characters. My character of the week is Alfred. I was totally absorbed in his storyline from being a stranger minding his own business in a diner, opening up to the lovely waitress Tiffany about how he misses his friend Thomas Wayne and wanting to protect Tiffany from her awful boyfriend. With Alfred and Harvey having their own Casablanca moment, all the bars Alfred walks into was Harvey's. I am looking forward to seeing more Harvey and Alfred moments. Harvey telling Jim that he didn't miss him as a cop and only wants him back so Harvey can be his priest was another good drama moment for these two. I really like the new Ivy. Peyton List did a fantastic job of bringing a completely different feel to this character. I feel now we have one villain that is fully born and knows how to use her toxic powers. Wasn't overly sure about the scene between Grundy and Tabitha. I'm sure there is a lot more to the storyline, but I felt disappointed after Tabitha spent so much energy trying to make Grundy remember he is Butch. She didn't even give Grundy a little hope that maybe she still does love him as well. The actual plot of the episode was very good with the attempted assassination on Lee by Mr. Crank, the toy maker. As Lee brilliantly makes her pledge to make the Narrows a better place to live, Ed is horrified that his alias, the Riddler, paid Crank to kill Lee because she is holding him back. Was such a great twist in the storyline. Absolutely loved it. Favourite line of the episode has to be the advert for the Sirens nightclub. Women drink free, men don't. And Selena not showing any enthusiasm with her line. You'll like it. It's nice. Fantastic episode. Great to have Gotham back. Speak to you soon. <laughs> I like your feedback, Claire. It's nice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, really, really good. I love, um, yeah, the Casablanca moment that you, you say. Really great way of describing it between Harvey and, and Alfred. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. And yeah, Alfred's story, it so much potential there and i think obviously we know that in this episode there's potentially um a reconnect with bruce here so we don't know how long or if there will be this sort of alfred going off on his own fighting crime or or just simply drinking with harvey in the bar but Mm -hmm. uh it'd be good to see some some more of that and yeah the tension between harvey and jim as well i just thought that was played so so well it's nice to see a difficult intense uh storyline between two former partners 
just be strung out in a good way as mm-hmm. well uh you know rather than it being re- uh, resolved with a happy ever after moment um so soon which sometimes you know gotham can do uh, but in this case i like the fact that they are persisting with this tension between these two characters yeah it feels like sometimes gotham love their characters as much as all of us fans love them the writers really love their characters and really want to get them back together really quickly and that's not always in the best interest of your characters you need bruce to have some time alone so we can develop without being under the wing of Alfred all the time. It's really important, but I love the two actors together. So it feels like three episodes apart would be too small. We need we need Bruce to have some learnings, and we see some of that in this episode. Um, but yeah, really good feedback, Claire. Thank you so much as well for sending in your voicemail feedback. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Claire, for the feedback. It's really good to hear from you over on voicemail. And now, with that, on to our spoiler-filled review of episode 13 of Gotham, A Beautiful Darkness. Derek, what are some of the episode details for this episode of Gotham? Well, this episode of Gotham was directed by John Stevens, uh, the other executive producer. Uh, I don't know whether we actually made mention of this, because the announcement came out um, while the winter break was on, but uh, he's currently working with Danny Cannon on Metropolis, which is a Superman prequel show. Very similar to Gotham idea in concept. Uh, It's going to be available on the DC streaming uh, TV service, where they're going to have all of their shows available on there, and this will be an exclusive product built just for that. So it's not going to air on Fox alongside Gotham. Uh, But it's really interesting that the two of them are going to be looking at a different city in the DC universe and building uh, their story around it. Yeah, interesting. And I think uh, who better to direct this uh, hallucinogenic whirlwind than... Uh, John Stevens as well. Very true, yeah, very true. Speaking of that, the episode was written by Seishun, uh, who's done three episodes of Gotham. I actually really like some of the episodes he's done. Yeah. Uh, he did Blood Rush, which was where Isabella got murdered and the executioner began. Um, that was his first episode back, that was 308. Um, he did 318, which was like the wick. That's the one where the shaman showed Bruce... Um, his parents' death in Crime yes, Alley. Yes, that was great. Uh, another very hallucinogenic moment, and including his parents as well. So uh, he definitely has a precedence for this. Uh, and he also wrote uh, episode 405, The Blade Path, which was where Ra's al Ghul was killed. So um, after he killed uh, Bruce's friend, the previous episode. So um, so Seishan has done a lot with Bruce's character in yes. a couple of the episodes he did in the past. So kind of cool to have him on board for this one. John, do you want to tell us what he gave us with your synopsis? Sure. Ivy and Selina team up, but while Selina wants to steal from the rich, Ivy's purpose is driven by revenge for the suffering of her dear plants. As she targets scientists at Wayne Enterprises, involved in a secret project called Project M, Selina soon taps out of her team up as Ivy kills her targets to learn the truth of Project M. Her next target is Bruce Wayne, where she obtains the location of the secret project and leaves Bruce hallucinating on the floor. As he begins to succumb to Ivy's slow poisoning, his hallucination become deeper and more disturbing as a dark and solitary figure infiltrates his mind, showing Bruce his true inner self and a winged demon, the bats. Meanwhile, Ivy finds the secret to Project M, the Lazarus Waters, mm-hmm. and she escapes from Jim and Lucius. She plans to use her new potion to weaponize her darling buds of May. <laughs> Elsewhere, Jerome becomes obsessed with Oswald as he seeks to recruit him to his creme de crazy as he tells all about his plans for Gotham. As Ivy's poison brings Bruce close to death, he is saved by Jim, who gives Bruce the antidote. As he lifts from his hallucinations, Bruce knows who he is, what he is, and what he must become in the city of Gotham. Yes, indeed. This was 
I think really, really cool how they brought in the bats yeah. um, here. Uh-huh. And it was just so good to actually to have Bruce, you know, slowly being poisoned by uh, Ivy. I just thought it was really good. And all these hallucinations, you know, we have Jim Gordon with a British accent <laughs> and a moustache. And weirdly, crazily, surreally, um, we have Harvey Bullock with a hen. With a chicken, yes. With a chicken. <laughs> Chickens a are very popular in Gotham, remember. Yeah, there was some excellent stuff going on in the episode. Uh, we've joked in the past about the marketing for Fox and how they do their episodes, uh, previews and that kind of thing, where they usually show the last five minutes of the episode, get you excited that the whole episode's going to be based around those five minutes, and then you end off having an episode where lots of Lots of interpersonal drama, let's say, is going on between the other characters. And then the one big moment that you want to see, you've already seen in the trailer. What's nice about this is I was not expecting the Ivy side of this episode. I, we interviewed David Mazous. He told us Ivy was going to do something very big. I was not expecting it was going to be this big. And it almost, almost for the first time, overshadowed a Jerome storyline. Yeah, I mean, this is really, really important. And I actually think it did overshadow uh, Jerome's storyline. And I think on our case note one, you know, Project M, this is where Ivy is searching for the the killers of plants. And she has, we mentioned on the episode last week about how um, she has seen and she's targeting Wayne Enterprises mm-hmm. for the, the death uh, and, and suffering of plants, trees uh, around Gotham. That's who she has got the crosshairs on. Um, and here we see that Ivy Pepper, or as we certainly should be calling her now, Poison Ivy, uh, you know, it is her that exposes him to the darkness uh, and really uh, gets him uh, deep down into the bat cave we see the bats and we see this menacing figure you know as well so really really good and i think it absolutely works and of course you know you do have to broach this issue of uh batman and bruce wayne and that they are one uh, and the other and i think we get that but more to project m you know we see here it is Razal Ghoul's Lazarus Water that yeah. ultimately is tracked down by Ivy and and wow I mean does she take no prisoners this is certainly a, a more forceful more direct and more uncompromising uh, Ivy than what we have seen previously and sh- this is ruthlessness she really um, is going after uh, the scientists at Wayne Enterprises and ultimately to Bruce Wayne uh, himself we get Great time lapse with regards to trees growing out of people's heads, out of their um, belly buttons or, or whatever. <laughs> I really like that effect. I think it's really, really cool. But, you know, she will destroy in, in order to protect her plants. And it is a really brutal kill. The first one that she does on the uh, the scientist from Wayne Enterprises where she tells his family to freeze. Two of his family, his daughter and his wife, are staring directly at him. And then she does this this amazing kill of him as a tree or ivy obviously grows out of his throat killing him right in front of their eyes and that's what turns selena off that's what makes selena run it's not just because she killed someone it's because she's killed someone right in front of their family so it feels much more brutal to selena than she's seen barbara kill people before i think and so she has been around people who murder but this just seems so much more brutal to her yeah and I mean, I do like the fact that Selena, 
I mean, really does tap out of this. She yeah. really does. It also highlights just the change in Poison Ivy here mm-hmm. from Ivy Pepper previously, you know, and I, it really highlights that, you know, Selena just thought she was going to steal all the jewels yeah. from, from this house Shiny and things. then uh, really does get exposed to the new Ivy. Yeah, like Ivy's talking to herself. She's talking to plants now. That's something that she's absolutely doing. So it's kind of like, I don't need you, Selene, anymore. I've got my plants, which feels very much more much more like the Ivy that we've seen in comic books before and in the cartoons before. So um, so we, we are seeing definitely much more of this version of Ivy Pepper. Uh, I like that moment when Jim confronts her. You mentioned it earlier on where Jim confronts Ivy and she says, and asks her how much she's changed. And she says to him, uh, first I was a seed, then a sprite, and now I have bloomed. So effectively, she's saying, I am now Gotham's version of Poison Ivy. And Absolutely. I see it. I see it. It was also great to see lots of Lucius Fox in this episode. Yes. Because of his interaction with Ivy. I loved those moments when she's uh, when she's taking control of him. And just that... that uh, Lovely smile on his face as he's telling her how beautiful she is. <laughs> Absolutely. Besotted Lucius Fox was really, really fun. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed that performance. Uh, and we also see that he's directly involved with Bruce as well, with regards to Project M. So is this one of their side projects, like we see in, in the movies where uh, Lucius and Bruce have worked on something in top secret and nobody else knows about it? Is this the first one like that? Other than, no, I know they the, were trying the, to hack the computer, weren't they? Yeah, together. but there was also um, the proto-batsuit yeah, for climbing. Course, so, yeah. I mean, here I think we see Lucius Fox absolutely intimately involved with Bruce Wayne. Okay, mm. he's not Batman yet, but... That idea of helping him out in order to stop crime is is there in the DNA of, of this relationship between Lucius and Bruce Wayne for sure. Yeah, I love the fact as well that um, Ivy also uh, again hypnotizes um, everyone in the GCPD under the control of her sort of pheromone scent uh, from the flowers. Yeah. And again, we see Harper and Alvarez turning on, on Jim when uh, they're trying to go after uh, Ivy in order to track her down and to stop her from, from killing anyone else. So it was really, really good to see that. As I well. liked Alvarez drawing the little love heart with, uh, with Ivy and Alvarez in it. Definitely. And that moment where Selena is being confronted by Harper, where she's saying to her, how much do you love her? And Selena's going, so much, I want to be her. <laughs> and Jim's just pointing out, you know, you're not telling this at all. Um, I love those moments with the GCPD. It's nice to have some hero characters in the GCPD. Remember, we used to have a lot of um, of people that stood out in the GCT- GCPD in the past. So it's nice to have Harper and Alvarez there, some named characters, because Harper's no longer there, you know? Um, there's no big villain that's standing in the middle of the GCPD uh, other than Ivy uh, for some moments. So it's nice to have some characters that we can point at and go, we know them, They're, they've been around for a while. Absolutely. And when Jim comes back to the GCPD later on, I love the fact that you initially think that they're still under the spell of, of the pheromones, but mm-hmm. that then Harper's kind of like... No, no, it's gone. We're just kind of embarrassed yeah. now that we behave like that. So really, uh, really good. But Jim tracks her to this massive uh, greenhouse facility owned by Bruce Wayne and Wayne Enterprises were, um, then she has Lucius 
hostage, you know, threatening to, to sl- slice him open so that the ivy poison will run through him. Uh, but in the end, she is allowed to escape uh, in exchange for the antidote mm-hmm. in order to save Bruce's life. Yes, yes, very cool. I, lo- I love that moment with Lucius as well, saying that he's uh, he's learnt uh, fighting during night school. Uh, and Jim just gives him one swift punch and knocks him out. Uh, I thought that was quite fun. Yeah. Uh, that's the most about Project M. We'll obviously come back to Hallucination Party a little bit later on because there's so much more stuff to unpack in there. But our case note number two kind of has to be two of the biggest and most popular characters on Gotham, really. Jerome and Penguin working together. Absolutely. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, make him laugh. You know, here is Jerome and uh, Penguin. Uh, and Jerome is looking to to bring Penguin on board with his plan. You know, the, really that Penguin does not like Jerome. He sees him as a threat. He sees him as a challenge to his own power base. And, you know, here, Jerome, none of that. It's like water off a duck's back, really. He is absolutely trying to needle Oswald uh, to bring him on board for his creme de la crazy that he is planning for for Gotham. I mean, it's really interesting that we we hear that Jerome doesn't necessarily need to be in Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. You know, Oswald says you could escape at any moment. Why not? Because he's building together the people that he wants to be in his army for his creme de la crazy. Yes, and I have to say, once again, Cameron Monaghan knocks it out of the park in this episode. I love that he's so driven by his goal that he's just going to drive Oswald crazy and make him just as crazy as he is, effectively. That's his challenge. He wants to make him laugh. He wants to get him to get out of his bad attitude. Uh, I love how how cool it is and how much he pushes him. It's just it's really, really good. He, how do you stop a person like that who won't stop? They just keep pushing you over the edge until you eventually break and the moment that Oswald breaks is effectively that he sends out Dietrich, the last person that had been abused by Jerome, to wee on the floor, and then he tries to electrocute Jerome with with a uh, <laughs> with a lamp, ending off electrocuting and killing Dietrich. Yeah, so poor Dietrich. I do like that moment. I think it's really, really good and very smart, as uh, even as uh, as is pointed out by by Jerome. Let's also remember that he does try to uh, gut him with a spork as well. Yes. Which <laughs> is both a fork and a spoon, indeed. Um, yeah, no, really, really good. I also really got a sense that there was a darker hint to Jerome. I mean, mm-hmm. Jerome has always been dark, but it has really been um, portrayed very brightly, you know, like the mirror standoff between Bruce and Jerome. Yeah. It's all been kind of flamboyant to an extent. And here I felt there was an element where um, there was a tone down from that. And because it was set in Arkham, it was much darker. And I, I felt a darker, more brooding Jerome, actually, yeah. in, in this performance for this episode. Um, that maybe, you know, that darkness, um, that the Joker absolutely has, it, it is just being exposed a little more by, by, uh, the performance with Jerome here. Yeah, I get that. I get that. There were some very funny moments in here. The original, uh, dance moment for Oswald where he's put up on the tables and told to, told to dance for him. Um, very funny when they make the dress out of the prison costume. <laughs> absolutely. And that bow tie. 
Excellent. Hilarious. But how Oswald actually gets out of it is fantastic. Yeah. Miming his way out of his problems <laughs> in a box until the point that Jerome eventually joins him in the mime, tries to stab him but can't stab him because of the invisible wall between the two of them, then tries to get inside the box with Penguin, but he hasn't ducked his head, so he smacks his head off the invisible wall. It's just fun yeah. seeing the two of them play together in, in this scene. Absolutely. Oswald and Jerome play and obviously Cameron Monaghan and Robin Lord Taylor play and have a bit of fun with these characters. Big time. Really, really good to see that. And there was one other moment in, in Arkham as well. We get a kind of reunion for Oswald and Enigma. Yes. Uh, really, really good. And I love the fact that, you know, by the end of it, Oswald is there going, you're still inside there. The Riddler is there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely can't wait to get out of uh, Ed Nigma's body uh, and that was really really good because it almost invigorates Oswald to try and fight against Jerome as well you know he leaves him the riddle and he knows that his old friend is in there and with everything that he's gone through is probably wanting to reconnect mm-hmm. maybe yeah yeah and I think it's important here to try and work this out because I was trying to work it out while watching the episode Oswald's friend is Ed, not the Riddler. He hates the Riddler. The Riddler is what tried to kill him. Uh, the Riddler is the bad side. I think what, what they were showing us at the end of the episode when Oswald's writing the letter to Ed Nigma is that he's writing the letter to Ed Nigma, not to the Riddler, because um, he's saying, you have to say my name to release me from this prison. So it's Ed Nigma that's now been hidden by the Riddler. The Riddler came to taunt Penguin in the prison. So I think that's the way around. Yes, okay. Do you think, do you think that's right? So it's, it's Ed Nigma that he needs to free from the Riddler's grip, if yes. he wants his old friend back. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Took me a while to get it. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but I think that's what's happening. John, do you want to take us on to just a note for, for Case Night 3? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have Sophia Falcone, you know, and her control of Jim and how that's, you know, beginning to change. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, wow. I mean, last week you mentioned about the League of Evil Axes in Gotham uh, and, and Jim. You know, will he have to confront them? And here we have one of Sophia's goons in the GCPD uh, cell. And James Gordon is really being stubborn and is not going to release uh, this guy, even though Sophia is wanting him out. And she's kind of like, did you not understand the deal we had? And I, I really liked how then... You know, she finally calls him up and says, look, that's fine. I'm, you know, I don't need this guy. You can, um, I, I don't want to be exposed either, you know, because we have that moment where Jim kind of goes back and threatens her to say, if yeah. I'm exposed, you're exposed. And in the end, she kind of phones him up and says, I don't want to be exposed. You're right. But I have other ways of getting to you and just hangs up. And the look on Jim's face, uh, priceless. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But he definitely shouldn't have let that guy out of prison, regardless of his arrangements with Sophia, because that effectively would be exactly the same as Penguin's licenses, which he spent half of a season of the show trying to get rid of. And effectively, Sophia's set up another version of that. So totally right to him to, to completely ignore her. But I thought it was quite interesting that she's sitting down in Siren's Bar with Barbara the first time Jim walks in to try and find Selena. And then the episode ends with 
her sitting down the with X. Leslie. So this, as I say, the League of Evil Exes um, <laughs> getting together, like in Scott Pilgrim, uh, to go after Jim Gordon. So will we see Valerie Vale come back and join up with this gang of evil exes, even though she wasn't evil uh, the last time we saw her? So will she come back as an evil character? Will we Who start knows? getting them coming Who back? Who knows? In? But I think it's going to be interesting times for Jim. I think it's going to be interesting times for Jim, and yeah. especially if he gets that old earwig, that fluffy earwig uh, on his top lip, um, <laughs> for sure. Because, you know, at Bruce's hallucination party, it's our fourth case note, uh, we see Jim Gordon with his iconic moustache um, and his not-so-iconic accent. Uh, yes, that was quite interesting. Why is everybody British around uh, around Bruce? <laughs> I don't is, know. Is it just because Alfred's been around him a lot? Is that where is that the accents he hears in his head whenever yeah. he talks? Even Harvey had like an East End London accent as well, and he was playing his butler carrying a chicken. Right? That's, that's I think so. What was going on? I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what was going on here. Um, well, because yes, Master Bruce, it was Bruce's hallucination party. Is that you know what's it trying to say that he can have everything, mm-hmm. but he will still have this void within him and the one person that wasn't there at least not at the party was alfred alfred came later in order to whisk him away from his worst possible pathway which is that he is surrounded by people that will only say yes Mm, yes very good very good uh, there was some of just interesting touches in there as well i liked the fact that we had uh, jim with barber looking like they're a couple again which is one of the original obviously ideas from the comic book uh, again the mustache as you say comic book jim gordon um we have oswald here dressed in his top hat and tails comic book penguin so i like that they did this stuff within the hallucination that is effectively going We'll give you your version, your comic book versions of them if you want them, but it will be in a hallucination. It's not going to be in the real city of Gotham. And I have to say, I did absolutely laugh out loud when Bruce uh, talks to Jim Gordon yeah. afterwards and goes, you were in my vision. I saw you with a mustache. And Jim replies, clearly that's a very dangerous toxin. I just thought <laughs> yeah. it was hilarious. It's real. Absolutely. It's very trolly from Seishun, the, the writer of this episode, but it is hilarious. Yeah, it? absolutely. Um, I love that fact because, I mean, yeah, it, the moustache was certainly off-putting because now we've known Jim Gordon for four and a half seasons where he hasn't had a moustache. So it is really odd to see that yes. moustache uh, plant itself uh, underneath his nose there. Um, and indeed... Mustaches are grown by very dangerous toxins. <laughs> well, we do know from the interview that we did with David Mazus that this was probably the most difficult thing they've ever filmed because every it, actor is together pretty much. So, so yeah. obviously some missing. We don't have Grundy. We don't have uh, Ed, Ed Nigma. But the amount of characters that were in this scene together who haven't worked together in a few years made it very difficult for them to film it because they just kept having jokes with each other and, and playing around and having a laugh for the day. So There were chickens as well, you know. Well, it, it, it must have been difficult working with animals. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, I really liked how David Mazuz played this. Uh, it, it kind of reminded me back with, you know, Playboy Bruce, um, whether it was at the auction or or in the club. And, and it is that moment where, you know, that persona, that that becomes the main driver for him and he is surrounded by yes-men. But of course... The hallucinations also provide um, 
another uh, aspect to his his own personality. And I think that brings us on to case note five. Yes. With, you know, his visit to Crime Alley. I love um, this so much. So good. Yeah. Absolutely so, so good. Um, and, you know, his vision of, of Batman. I really like the fact that this, you know, this dark, disturbing figure with the cape, you just really couldn't see it was almost just like a shadow Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed that i thought that was the great way of playing it you know not showing any details not showing any of the iconography other than the silhouette with 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 the with the cape i mean you didn't even get a sense of bat ears and that either so i thought that was really really good um and again you know taken to where his parents were killed coming full circle back to that absolute seminal moment in his life that he has been thinking about and ultimately will define uh, what path he takes. So I'm really, really good to see that. I know what you mean. I just love that moment when Bruce is looking up at this shadowy creature going, this is where my parents are killed. And he responds to him saying, no, this is where I was born. This is what gives Bruce the direction for where he's going to go for the rest of his life. No matter how many previews I saw of this, no matter how many times I heard interviews saying we're going to do something really cool and interesting with the Batman creation this season. I didn't expect it to be as good as this. I really enjoyed the kind of terror that Batman's able to still instill in his in himself. He was able to instill in, in Bruce when he says to him, I'm the one that you can't escape effectively because I'm you. He puts him into the Batcave. We have the bats flying around. He turns into the bats effectively. It's so cool um, seeing this on screen after four seasons. And, and I was never someone that was waiting for Batman to appear on the show. I've always been someone that's been going, this is the show about Gotham. Absolutely. This is the show about Jim Gordon and how he gets it before Batman's in place. But I like that they're using these touches. And it doesn't have to be David Mazus sticking on a bat suit and going out and fighting crime because that's going to be a different show. I think that is going to be how it, how it may end in the future. But having these pieces in here in his creation is hugely helpful for the character. Definitely. I mean, the thing is, I loved how they really nodded at um, the origins of Batman here mm-hmm. uh, and from different people involved with comics and from film. I mean, just the fact that they, you know, they go back to Crime Alley where his parents are killed and that is the, you know, fundamentally uh, where it kicks off. And I mean, they reference that, as you say, to, no, this is where I was born in terms of the, the dark shadowy figure, really trying to impress upon Bruce um, that, this is where you were created um, in, in this this tragedy. But also you get Frank Miller's bat iconography here, only briefly. And it's not to say that he's showing that he's scared of the bats like you get from uh, Frank Miller's, uh, you know, seminal uh, treatment of, of Batman. But you have it introduced. You see where it comes from. And of course, the swirling bat. Um, in terms of how Christopher Nolan put that uh, into Batman Begins. Mm. So you have all these different elements from previous versions of, of, of film, of comics, both classic, recent, and I think that's really nicely done, to be honest. I, I, I think how using Ivy Pepper here, again, it adds another new layer uh, in, in terms of where this is coming from. Absolutely. You know, in Frank Miller's comic, it is internal to him that he is scared of bats mm-hmm. and they use that, um, you know, and reverse that, that um, fright 
to 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 be his power and here we have uh, ivy pepper being uh poison ivy being involved in it so again i i, I thought this was so so well done and i mean hats off to everyone involved as far as i'm concerned yeah absolutely yeah totally agree with you like that the frank miller comic you're talking about is only 35 years ago um the character's been around for 75 years there's been loads of creation stories loads of different versions about how he's uh, come to this point and I like that Gotham got their own opportunity to do something with it and add their characters in on, in on top of it, the ones Absolutely. that they use and how they use them. I like that they have put their stamp on their creation. And I, I'm enjoying it. it. Again, it's not going to be like Bruce is going to walk out next week and go, all right, I saw this vision of me with a cape. I'm buying a cape and putting it on. I'm going to get the hat that looks like a bat. He's not going to do that next week. But I like that it gives him the impetus to go, right, now I know my direction. I'm going to have to get Alfred back to help me out here because I've gone so far off direction. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was really good after Jim saved him that, you know, Bruce basically says, I know now what I have to do. And I like that Jim is kind of saying there are people around here that um, want to support you, want to help you, you know, and who care for you a great deal. I thought it was a really nice moment between Jim and Bruce, but also the inference that there's Alfred as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we get um, him calling Alfred on his phone. But I don't think there's any answer. It's a voicemail he leaves him, yeah. So let's see what happens with that next week. We didn't even mention Rachel Ghoul being in this flashback scene as well. That is true as well. Like the part of the issue that Bruce has been going through is the fact that he murdered another human being, which happened to be Rachel Ghoul. So uh, this is what we've, uh, this is the first time we've seen him since he was killed. Uh, He has had a credit at the beginning of each show. Alexander Sadiq has been shown as a, as a credit at the beginning of the show. And we are expecting him back because of that uh, light that he transferred over to. Barbara Keane, we're expecting to see him again in the future. Uh, it's cool to see him coming in for this episode for just this this little role. And my only note for this week, what I did like about that is one of the most famous characters Alexander Sadiq has played in the past is Dr. Bashir on Deep Space Nine, yes. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, and Deep in this Space episode, Nine. yes, and in this episode he's playing a doctor, so um who takes off Bruce's face a little bit more uh, cruel than Dr. Bashir would Yeah, that was pretty cool as well. Actually, Gotham really does like to mess with people's faces. Mm. This idea of taking away their identity or personality. I mean, we have Bruce having his face whipped off. We obviously Jerome had it punched off by Bruce. Uh, we well, that was after it was removed. A- well. After it was removed <laughs> with Professor Pig, the face is ever changing. Mm-hmm. You know, the same with Clayface that it's all about how he's able to inhabit other people. So yeah, there's something there that needs to be addressed with um, a qualified doctor, I reckon. Yes, well, at least they've moved on from ripping out people's eyes. I suppose that's a, that's a good thing. I have to say the special effects for that scene, um, I think it's still Coast FX that does, uh, that does all of the, the special effects for this show. Um, the scene where his face is gone and it's just the wrapping and you can see through his face to the background, it's like as if uh, Davin Mazous had like a green screen face, effectively. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a really good effect when he turns sideways and you can see the room through his where his eyes should be. You see the other side of the room. It's really good. A really, really top compliments for uh, the visual effects on that. Absolutely. But with our notes, what is our Gotham moment of the week this week? For me, I can't help myself that there is two. Oh. It is the bats in the bat cave. Uh-huh. Uh, and Bruce turning into them and swirling off into the night sky towards the moon. Absolutely. I actually think they did it really well. I mean, I think they just 
they owned it, you know, With, mm-hmm. without trying to sound like Louis Walsh. They made it their own. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it, uh, how they did it, you know, and, and fair plays to them. But at the same time, I also do like Ivy with the family around the dinner table. That uh-huh. was just cruel. Um, and it was so good. So good. Yeah. And my moment of the week is Bruce's hallucination party because it's so weird and interesting and gives us some great moments uh, for, for the episode. And you know what's shocking? Again, in the episode that brought back Jerome working with Oswald, that's not our moment of the week. This is showing how good Gotham is getting now to me. Uh, if we can have an episode with their biggest guest star who always comes in and increases the ratings, definitely. And rightly so, he's a great part of the show. But that he's not the best thing in there yeah. um, is is kind of surprising to me. Um, but he was great. I've got a Gotham character of the week this week. It's my favorite moment in the episode. It is as Bruce is recovering from yet another hangover, <laughs> probably because of the gin he's been drinking. And we have the talking parrot yes. reiterating what he's been saying over and over again. It takes a lot to get a parrot to say specific words. And the parrot goes, another shot, another shot. I'm going to throw up, <laughs> which I think is hilarious because it sounds like this is something that's happened every night for the last week. Someone has been in the house saying another shot, another shot. I'm going to throw up. And the parrots now picked it up. Absolutely. <laughs> I think he actually went another shot, another shot. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> well, I didn't want to do the parrot voice. So, uh, but well done, John. <laughs> yes, I don't know whether it sounded slightly like Yoda there, but nonetheless, yeah. I just thought it was hilarious. A really, really other great moment in a season that's been pretty dark. There's not a huge amount of moments moments that you laugh out loud at and i've got three this episode i think uh, that i've I mentioned um john how would you rate this episode well i'm gonna keep with the animal theme uh this week and i'm gonna give it two ratings because we have an animal that brings light and an animal that brings darkness um but yeah for me i think given what this episode did in terms of showing bruce the path that he's going to go down dealing with such iconic iconography with bats uh, and and that tale of bruce wayne uh realizing his destiny i'm giving this five clucking chickens out of five and you can read into clucking what you will um (laughs) but having said that because of the bats that were introduced i'm also going to give it five Big bats out of five as well. Um, you know, so that's ten out of five. It's, it's ten out of five. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Or no, it's the light looking chickens and the dark, uh, bats, you know, really good. And again, I think having Ivy being involved with that, that storyline of Bruce as well as her sort of just revenge through Gotham targeting scientists, Lucius, the GCPD, mm-hmm. having her and Selena team back up, having Jerome and Oswald in just really nice, more than nice, just perfect comedy moments in Arkham Asylum. I mean, and this was a crazy, crazy episode, but it brought so much. And I think the hallucination party, the visit to Crime Alley, all of these things really built on what they have done in Gotham, I think, since the start of season three. And and as well as the foundations laid in season one and and season two. Absolutely. But I I think this was fantastic. And I am really looking forward to seeing uh, what they do in the next episode. 
I totally agree with you. After this episode came out, I've actually seen quite a few reviews and some of the bigger publications are going, if you gave up on Gotham, you gave up too early. This is a fantastic episode. And I'd agree with you. I think this is one of the best that they've done. It's great to have a scene where we have all of the characters together under one roof. That's always good fun to have it be a big hallucination with some lots of weirdness going on hilarious some really good fun uh, in that scene it must have been brilliant to film uh, and having those big iconic moments in there were, were great seeing ivy at her best it's just great that any of the actresses that got to blair got to do a role like this so delighted about that uh, i think it's time to get on to our feedback and the first piece of feedback i want to talk about is just a really quick one from doug green over on twitter uh, just after the episode was out going they're promoting next week as crazy if this hasn't gone crazy, how absolutely batshit crazy must next week be? <laughs> absolutely. Um, okay, that is going to be one interesting ride. Uh-huh. Roller coasters, crashing planes, you name it. There is going to be a absolute ride if this episode wasn't crazy and the next one is supposed to be mm-hmm. crazy. Wow, wow. Wow. Well, this show has already given us trains on fire, so uh, yeah, <laughs> there's so much more crazy to go. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And our other piece of feedback comes in from Claire Payne on email. John? Yeah. Claire Payne goes, another brilliant episode of Gotham. I have a few characters that I could nominate for character of the week, but for me personally, I choose Lucius. I love you, Ivy says Fox. Uh, what Gotham is now doing with the evolving Ivy is excellent, and the pace of her story arc has come at the right time. Mm. I really liked how Lucius lied to Jim about not knowing why the botanist briefcase was stolen, and how Lucius reacted under Ivy's toxic spell. Absolutely. We all love goofy in love Lucius. <laughs> um, it was the funniest moment, and he knows a lot more about what is going on at Wayne Enterprises than he lets on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Bruce's hallucinogenic dream induced by Ivy has been my favorite of the dream sequences that they have done so far. Very clever with Rachel Ghoul removing Bruce's face, then arriving at the party with our Gotham residents in their eventual iconic look, especially Jim and Penguin. Alfred definitely stole the scene with making his entrance of the season's special agent Pennyworth as he extracted the target being Bruce and taking him back to the alley. Bruce being in a cave with bat chirps and then eventually seeing a bat-like figure and the bats before he wakes up was extremely cool and another pace forward in his destiny. Oh, yes. Definitely. Uh, So, so, so good, I think. Um, All of that. Uh, Really, really good. Couldn't agree with you more, Claire. It's so cool. Um, And and that moment with Penguin wearing his iconic outfit. It is just a little pity he didn't have the monocle that his father wore uh, in in season two. It would have been cool to have him with the monocle because that is one of the things that Penguin has. But hey, look, we got him in a top hat and tails. Absolutely. (laughs) Claire goes on my laugh out loud moments was Bruce telling Jim about his mustache. Harvey with a chicken and Jim and Selena versus the GCPD who are intoxicated by Ivy. It was great to see Selena and Jim together again yeah. and a brief return of Clayface Jim Grin. <laughs> uh, the Gotham promos are very clever as the interactions between Os- Oswald and Jerome did not play out like the promo indicated. What I thought brilliant was Oswald and Jerome didn't end up being Arkham buddies by the end of the episode. Mm. And Claire says the actual interaction between these two characters was fantastic. Fantastic. We found out Oswald hasn't tried to escape Arkham, otherwise Sophia will kill Martine. Jerome brutally trying to bring out the penguin that he has heard about in whatever way he can was genius. With a surprise visit from Ed, there is hope for Oswald getting out of Arkham. 
a short, intense scene from these two, but you just know there is going to be a very interesting story thread attached to it. The question I felt we were left with was how does Jerome want to use Penguin in his escape from Arkham and then turn Gotham into the asylum? Absolutely. Uh, this will be really interesting. I even wonder whether Jerome knows about Enigma and the Riddler yeah. and, and will ultimately use that relationship uh, to bring the Riddler into his creme de crazy as well. Potentially, yeah. And I have to say... I loved that Oswald pointed out how much Jerome was in control of Arkham. It feels like he doesn't have an escape plan, effectively. It's just gets one of the guards to open the doors and let him out because he is in control of every single guard in there. He's in control of every single inmate yeah. in there, it seems. So, uh, so yes, he's just staying in there trying to round up a bunch of people. I'm really hopeful that we're going to see Mad Hatter very soon. I'm hopeful that we're going to see potentially um, the Executioner back in the show. Mm. We're hopefully going to see lots more villains that Jerome's going to get on board. I just want to call out one little thing that Claire has uh, put in there. I put it in my notes and actually didn't mention it in the episode, but yeah, I thought it was quite interesting that Oswald says he hasn't broken out of the of Arkham because then Sophia will kill Martine or Martin. Um, did we know that? Did we know that she has any access to Martine or does, is that just that Oswald is saying Zaz knows where he is and he will now by this stage have told Sophia? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's that. that. To, to me, um, I think it is very much uh, the fact that uh, Zaz has moved over Back to the Falcons, and Zaz knows where Martine is. Right. So he's just assuming that if he breaks out, Martine's dead. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Claire finishes off with, I just want to mention Michael Maddie, who does the special effect makeup on Gotham. What he has created with Cameron for Jerome is superb. Ah. Yes. Absolutely, Claire. Um, a real nice evolution over time. More of that buzz cut now and the extension of that smile, um, really is paying off. And I love the, the, the wounds uh, and the, the scabs that are still there from when he had his face, uh, cut off. Yeah. So it's yeah. such a, it's so interesting. And if you follow uh, Michael Maddy over on uh, Instagram, he does quite regularly post, uh, some behind the scenes looks at his, uh, at his works, um, at, at the actual makeup process process from start to end it just looks so realistic you know you, you feel like um cameron monaghan is walking away at the end of every day still with those so stitch marks on his face yeah, because it definitely. looks so real yeah. um but they really have created an iconic look for this this version of jerome or for jerome on gotham uh, really really cool uh, really good mention really good shout out uh, claire thanks so much for your feedback yeah absolutely thank you so much claire and smiley nerdy face back at you. <laughs> uh, if you want to send in your feedback, as always, you can email it to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. We always like discussing your feedback. Um, you just need to get it into us by uh, by the end of Friday. Um, each week, we, sh- we usually record our podcast on Saturday, and we have it out on Sunday. So uh, from now on, you should be able to get your, your thoughts in to us about each of the episodes as you go. Um, you can also join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash gothamtvpodcast. Yes, and of course, voice voicemail is available to you as well uh, again thank you claire for sending voicemail we'll just head on over to gothamtvpodcast.com and click on the leave voicemail tab on the right hand side of the screen and just one final mention as we said at the start of the show if you want to listen to the new official marvel uh, scripted podcast wolverine the long night over on stitcher premium go to stitcher.com slash premium and use the code defenders 
to get your free month, uh, courtesy of the wonderful people over at Stitcher. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with Gotham at Dark Knight Season 4, Episode 14. Yes, as always, thank you so much for listening. I am going to hallucinate chickens in a nightmarish dream. Uh, but with that, if I wake up and I have recovered mentally, um, we will speak with you again next time. Yes, talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.